We gotta go to the bullpen. Welcome to the Highland Bullpen, the all-new podcast bringing America's pastime to Scotland shores. It doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer heading for Cooperstown or you're fresh out of the minor leagues, this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Highland Bullpen. I'm Alan. On tonight's show, we move our traditional quiz over onto a home run derby as Dave takes us through the four teams that we support in Detroit, Seattle, Chicago and Boston, where we get some quick-fire questions to get the four of us going and we'll see who runs away with the title of home run derby winner. I'll discuss myself the concept of a winning and losing pitcher and explain to our listeners how that actually works. To round this off, we've got Dave Jr. talking about the San Diego Padres as he starts giving us an insight of each of the teams in Major League Baseball. Enjoy the show. So uh, we're doing it a bit different uh, this week, sort of a one-off home run derby where I'll just fire a few hopefully uh, reasonably uh, hittable, friendly questions at each of you. We'll start off with Detroit Tigers and uh, that uh, tremendous city. On you go, Alan. So since 2000, the Detroit Tigers have played at Comerica Park, but between 1912 and 1999, they played at one of the iconic baseball parks in the history of the game. Can you name it? Tiger Stadium. Absolutely correct. Superb place. And for an extra point, it did. It was known by another another name, the very same stadium. Um, it sort of uh, kind of confused me for a while, but it was the same stadium. It was the surname of the then owner. So the Tiger Stadium was quite often known as. Do you know? Can you give me the first initial? It's B. Yeah. I was reading a book. And it kept referring to it, and it was a guy's either, but I can't remember his name. Yeah, no, not to worry. It's uh, Briggs Stadium. Briggs so he was the at the time. Um, Barrow Briggs and Elgin. <laughs> could be. Um, uh, so it's such a good ballpark. There's another question about it, and I'm sure you'll you'll get this. It had one of the most famous addresses in baseball. And when I say address, it was simply known as lots of places in America are, um, by the name of the two streets that it was situated on the corner of... Michigan and Trumbull. Absolutely superb. Spot on. I I listened to (laughs) Tiger's podcast by the name of Michigan and Trumbull, and I think it's those guys' first season as well. So it's been good tuning in and listening to a wee bit of specific Tiger's knowledge. Okay, so question four. Uh, one of their most famous players in the history, in fact, in the history of baseball, who's known as the Georgia Peach, this uh, centre fielder and manager is considered not only Detroit Tigers' best player of all time, but perhaps baseball's play, best greatest player of all time. He played 22 seasons for the Tigers, the last six as player-manager between 1905 in 1926, if you believe the stories, it was not particularly well-liked and had a reputation for tough play. 
Can you name him? Ty Cobb was the Georgia pitch. Absolutely correct. Spot on. So just moving away from uh, baseball, the city became synonymous with the automobile, automobile through, throughout the 20th century. So much so it became known as by which nickname? Motown. I'm going I'm to accept that, which is also the Motown. answer to the next question, <laughs> which was um, it's also famous for its music. Eminem and White Stripes might be the most recent <laughs> stars, but there was a famous soul record label and recording studios. Do you know what the name was? It, it would be inappropriate to say Motortown just now, and I'll go straight to Motown. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. There was it. I think it was originally called Tamler, but it became Motown. I, and I have been there, and it's it's excellent. It's well worth visiting. Oh yeah, yeah. superb. Yeah, we'll have to make that one of our joint trips one of these years, get over to Detroit. Now we've mentioned Detroit's football team in the past, but can you tell me the name of Detroit's ice hockey team? I think they're probably the most successful American team in terms of Stanley Cup wins. It's the Detroit Red Wings. Correct. Of the Tigers' current players, their first baseman has 487 home runs to his name and is 30th in the all-time list of home run hitters. Can you name him? It's Miguel Cabrera. Absolutely correct. And there's a couple of extra questions here, which uh, would you happen to know how many World Series wins Detroit has in their history? I can think of four. Um, I will stick with that. That's yes, I'll stick, I'll stick with four, yeah. Absolutely correct. There's uh, a clue. <laughs> would you happen to know when they last won it? You can either tell me when they last won it or when they last appeared in the final. I'm, I'm now going to really look really stupid when I say I can think of four and I give you a year that's 20 years out of date. It's the, it's the early 2000s. Um, well, they've won it. They've been in the World Series twice this century, but they've not run it, won it for considerably longer than that. They, they, they were in the final, I think, about nine years ago. Yeah, 2012. This recording's going out in 2021, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> it, would, it probably would be if it was up to my. Uh, I think I've squiffed that one. So, what? What? When was the last year they won it, Dave? Nineteen eighty-four. Oh, yeah. According to to my record, well, I'm going to give. Uh, I think you got eight out of ten there, which is pretty good going. Um, all right, Dave. Chicago. Uh, that, that was a phenomenal effort, Alan. That was, was superb. You done very well there. That was impressive. One, one track mind. <laughs> So, over to the White Sox, Dave. So, I've got 10 questions for you. So, which side of the city do the White Sox play their home games? South side. Thank you very much. I was hoping for a hand gesture as well. Very cool. Um, he had a batting average of over 300 in the 2020 regular season and hit 19 home runs. Who is the big hitting Chicago White Sox first baseman? 
Jose Abreu. Correct. I think we might have mentioned him today, so you probably will know this. You'd have known it anyway. But who is the current Chicago White Sox manager? That's Ricky Rintaria. Correct. Uh, so a couple of general questions. What do you call a person from Chicago? Oh. <laughs> oh. The naughty one. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I don't know. Well, I think it's a Chicagoan. Chicago? Okay, okay. Uh, I've got some more hand gestures for you, Dave, if you like. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much for that. Yes, I know what that is. <laughs> One of the most famous Chicagoans is this female talk show host, actor, and general force of nature. Can you name her? Just one name required. Uh, Oprah. Correct. It is worth pointing out, my dearly beloved granny calls, calls her, and you know, there's no irony in here at all, Winifred Osprey, which <laughs> I've, I've no idea where it comes from, but it just... The endangered species. <laughs> yeah. So Winifred Osprey is how she's referred to in this house. Superb. Yeah, well, I'm going to carry on the tradition <laughs> in our house as well. So, back to baseball. What form of apparel was Joe Jackson always missing? Shoes. Correct. Yeah, I think uh, he was one of the four players who was uh, implicated in the Black Sox scandal. Um, in what famous year was the infamous will? In what year was the infamous World Series that was nicknamed the Black Sox scandal? When did it take place? It was nineteen nineteen. America's forty fourth president was born in Hawaii, but he practiced law in Chicago and was a United States senator for Illinois. He's basically a lifelong White Sox fan. Who is he? Is it Barack? It is. And your final two questions. How many times have the White Sox won the World Series? Uh, that's been three, three magical triumphs. Absolutely correct. And do you know when they last won it? Uh, that was 15 years ago, 2005. Very good, Dave. You've got nine out of ten there. So it's a very high score in the home run derby list in knocking them out of the park. So, Rich, your good self on the Seattle Mariners. So this is a bit of a silly one to start with. Um, Which animal has the Mariners organisation wisely chosen as their mascot? A moose? Yes, absolutely correct. I couldn't give you his name because it would have given away. It's Mariner Moose. Isn't moose, it? yeah. So we're going straight out of baseball into um, general knowledge. And uh, almost certainly the greatest rock guitarist of all time was born in Seattle in 1942. He stole the show at Woodstock in 1969 and tragically died the following year in London. Can you name him? That would be Jimi Hendrix. Indeed, James Marshall Hendrix. Back to baseball on the 31st of August, 1990. 
which father and son team hit back-to-back home runs for the Seattle Mariners. Ken Griffey, senior and junior. Exactly correct. Well done. I think Jason referenced that in a previous episode. Is that as well. right? I thought it had come up before. Yeah, yeah. They, they retired his number 24 jersey. I think he was um, there for many years, wasn't he? And his, his father sort of uh, had a couple of seasons at the end of his career. Fantastic moment. Okay, back to music, which still seems to be pretty famous for. Between 1985 and 1995, Seattle became synonymous with a new rock sound thanks to local bands like Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Garten, in fact, Pearl Jam. How was this alternative rock genre referred to? Grunge. Correct. And for an extra point on that subject, Nirvana, perhaps the most famous of all the grunge bands, also came from Washington State, but not Seattle. It came from a town or city on the coast between Seattle and Portland with a very Scottish name. Can you bring it to mind? So probably a bit of a tough one, this. Just thought it was appropriate. Spokane. It, it's actually at Aberdeen. And, was it good uh, I didn't know that's a good question. Apparently they, they, they sort of took it very kindly and they have uh, on their sort of welcome signs on the rose going into the town it says come as you are <laughs> so back to baseball Seattle is a relatively new club and has yet to win reach, reach a World Series through the end of um, 2019 the franchise had posted a losing record in 29 of their 43 seasons however in 2001 they set an American League record for most wins in a single season and tied the 1906 Chicago Cubs for the record in Major League Baseball. Do you know how many wins they managed? It was out of a regular 162-game season. I'll give you a bit of leeway. Uh, I'll go for 118. That's near enough. It's 116. That's a pretty good effort, which... I don't know if my arithmetic's up to it, but it's um, a 0.716 percentage, which is pretty high. And I think that's possibly the equivalent of um, the top score in this season, which uh, would be 43 out of 60, which the Dodgers achieved, I think. So still on baseball, known as the big unit, he was 6.10. This Hall of Fame pitcher played between 1989 and 1998 for the Mariners, winning the Cy Young Award uh, with them in 1995, and he pitched a no-hitter in 1990. He eventually sort of left there, didn't he? I think he won a World Series. Might have been with the Marlins. Um, I'd have to check that, but can you name him? Incredible pitcher, quite imposing, he's six foot ten, fast ball. Randy Johnson. Absolutely spot on. Great answer. I was watching a play about no hitters the other day and that was what put me in mind. Uh, he was, um, obviously he was uh, pitching when I started watching it on the, on the TV and uh, he was absolutely phenomenal. So since 1999, the Mariners have played at T-Mobile Park, previously known as Safeco Park. 
Until then, they shared a stadium with the city's NFL team, the Seattle Seahawks. Can you name the stadium? I'm not going to get this one. It was one of those ones where it's sort of quite sort of futuristic, not dissimilar to uh, where the Astros used to play oh, their games. No, you'll have to, have to tell me. The Kingdom. Is one oh, jeez. Not, not to worry. Doing incredibly well. I'm not sure I'd like to answer my own questions here. So the last two questions I've taken from Forbes magazine. Not your local uh, news agent in the Muir of Ord, Alan. But um, <laughs> according to Forbes magazine, Seattle can lay claim to the two top American billionaires. Jeff Bezos is top with 113 billion. Which company did he found in Bellevue, Washington, which is located across Lake Washington from Seattle? I'm pretty sure I can. That'd be Amazon. Absolutely correct. And finally, which Seattle-born gentleman founded Microsoft in 1975 and is worth a mere 98 billion? That would be uh, Bill Gates. Absolutely spot on. It's a shame the two of them are not interested in in baseball, isn't it? You know, <laughs> uh, Bill Gates. He's uh, is it sort of vaccinations. He's into, isn't he? You know, he's got quite... like a philanthropist now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not sure what Bezos is up to. He's not one of these ones who's um, playing rockets to Mars, or is that the? Electric car man. Elon Musk, I think the yeah. guy there. But I wasn't. I was didn't do too bad there. What was the what was the final tally then? That's eight out of ten. Oh, they're taking that. Two eights out of nine. Dave has done it again. Oh, he's King. That was absolutely phenomenal, guys. Well done. So and a really great quiz this week. And as we do like to do, we like to spring an unpleasant surprise. <laughs> Uh, Dave in so I can't promise I can come up with 10 but on, on the hoof I've got a number of Boston themed questions oh and I'd like God. to would like oh, to throw you a few of those <laughs> okay, okay there's a river you've been to Boston before haven't you Dave Senior yes I not for a while but yes there is a river that separates Boston from the nearby Massachusetts town of Cambridge what is the name of that river yeah, been across it as well. That's where Harvard University, isn't it, in Cambridge? Is it the Charles? Correct. Shouldn't have doubted you for a moment. Quite right. Yep. Ch- we stayed in uh, Cambridge, actually. So, you know, if anyone's ever going to Boston, it's a pretty good spot. Mind you, it's over 20 years since I've been there. But Okay. Which are the two major newspapers of the city of Boston? Well, it's definitely the Boston Globe, which is the one... That uh, you know, my one of choice sort of broadsheet was a very good baseball writer. I'm sure he might be still there. Dan Shaughnessy. Dan. Yep. Yep. Um, the other one would be uh, to let me know if you need a clue. I'd be like a clue because you're quite generous, does with your help. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, is it a sort of more tabloid one? It's not. I'm not sure, but the name of it is the same as a major newspaper of Glasgow. Yeah, is it the Herald? Yeah. It is the Herald. Yeah, the Herald yeah. Yeah. yeah, well done. Well done. Okay, let's go back onto the baseball field. Let's head back to, to some of the heroes of Fenway. 
So who was known as Big Pappy? Uh, well, that's the, he's a hero in Boston for a number of reasons. But yeah, David Ortiz. Quite right. Yep, absolutely. Uh, here's one about a kind of obscure fellow. So if you need some hints, just let me know. But it's a, it's a Mr. Ted Williams, I believe. Now, I know you probably, I know you don't talk about it much, but he famously hit over 400 in 1941. <laughs> but exactly how many over 400 did he hit? What was his average? Wow. So this is uh, like asking, uh, you know, the exact average of, uh, you know, sort of a cricket player. It was only just over, wasn't it? So it's, it's I, can give you, I can give you some options if that's helpful at all. 0. 0.40 something, isn't it? It is. It is. It is either 401, 408, or 406. Ah. It's just as well you gave me that because I was going to go for 407. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably rule out 407 on that basis. Yeah. I think it's 406. It is 406. Well done. Yeah. Well done. And Boston, more generally, and literally Boston. Boston, the name of an American rock band of the, the 70s, I think. Oh, yeah. Can you name two of our top five most famous songs? I can name one, More Than a Feeling. Yep. Would you like to branch out beyond that? or? Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure whether... Sure, one of the lads. I mean, it goes back a bit, doesn't it? It's the seventies, isn't it? Late seventies. Oh yes, no, it was. It was. Sure, I think one's probably. I think probably more than respectable, given it's uh, wasn't a baseball question either. So I think that's absolutely fine. Uh, any Boston fans can let us know what, what ones we missed out that we should have that we should have had in. Finally, yeah. up for one more to, to close out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The team that today is known as the Atlanta Braves was formerly and originally a Boston team. Can you name either of the first two names that, that team had? So it was yeah. the Boston somethings. There's a number of options, but there's a yeah. I think, you know, it gets quite complicated, doesn't it, when you look into the hist- individual history of... Um, of clubs, so let me just sort of think aloud. The Boston Red Sox were originally the Boston Americans, I think. So the Atlanta Braves, if you work this back, did they come from Milwaukee Braves? And Milwaukee Braves moved from Boston Braves. So are you saying that the Boston Braves were known as Yo, you've got you've got that right off the bat. Dave yeah, Seymour, the Boston Braves. Yep, they were also at various times the Boston Bees, the Boston Rustlers, the Boston Bean Eaters, which is a personal favourite of mine. Yeah, yeah. Like Bean Town, isn't it? Boston's known as Bean Town, I think. Absolutely, and they were also originally the Boston Red Stockings, which doesn't seem to me like a million miles away from the Red Sox. Yeah, so I know. Well, I know they said that because. As I say, it can get quite confusing, and um, you know, the, the, there's been other clubs called the, the White Stockings, and one of the reasons why they've gone for these sort of shortened names is gentlemen like yourself in the press who like that SOX makes for you know shorter words make for a 
better headlines in the newspapers. So the likes of Chicago Cubs, I think the Chicago Cubs were known as other nicknames, but they kind of liked um, these short, snappy names. So the stockings um, became socks. Totally. And you're right as well, Dave Senior, on the in newspapers that was historically because a newspaper the print is made up of seven or eight columns. So often a headline had to fit within a column width. So that's why football headlines are full of words like we love somebody being on a rap, because that's a nice short three letter word. Yeah. Various kind of blasts aren't bad because you get an L and a T, but lots of the language just comes about because you need to try and squeeze a lot of letters into not a lot of space. Dave Jr. Must be broadsheets over in Arizona to fit the Diamondbacks in. <laughs> I suspect they'll be the D-backs at every opportunity. Yes. So we're all delighted that Dave Jr. has won both the home run derby and our nine-inning quiz. Well done, Dave. None of us saw that coming for your novice rookie season, so congratulations from us all. Now I'm going to chat a wee bit about another stat from the wonderful game of baseball. Hi, so just going to take another look at one of the stats for baseball. Before we do that, one of the questions from one of our listeners from the the last time asked about the winning percentage for the team. And indeed, does it make any difference in the context of runs scored or indeed the difference between runs scored or what we might in football term to be goals difference? In reality, it means nothing. Yes, it affects the stats and it affects all sorts of knowledge and information about how the team are playing. Indeed, over a series, you could have a 3-4 game series where you could get beat 3-1, 2-1 and actually have a better aggregate score. So even unlike European competition, the aggregate score doesn't count. It's the individual games. I guess that potentially protects struggling pitchers, although I imagine it's probably just been something that's, that's always done that way. The win percentage is pretty much the one team stat you need to know. Most of the stats and the big stuff within baseball are batter stats and pitcher stats. What I'm going to talk today is the other win-lose figure we have, which is the winning pitcher. So in addition to the team winning, we also look at the possibility of a pitcher winning or losing the game. That's not quite the same as the man of the match that we might be used to in football. Indeed, there are rules to decide who actually is the winning pitcher or the losing pitcher. So obviously the starting pitcher has the most chance of getting the credit, but they must pitch a minimum of five innings to be given the credit for, for winning or losing. This, in a winning situation, might lead to situations where a manager actually leaves a pitch who might be struggling a little bit in the team for longer to try to get them through the five innings. The winning pitcher must be the one who gets the lead whilst in the game. In fact, during the innings, he is withdrawn. So if he leaves in the top of the fifth and the team take the lead in the bottom of the fifth, he would be considered to have taken the lead before another pitcher comes in. The team must then keep the lead and, of course, win the game. So the team wins, but we don't meet the above criteria. Then you end up in a situation where the the relief pitcher will get it. And it's the relief pitcher whose team takes the lead whilst they are pitching and obviously keeps that lead to the end. So if it chops and changes, it's the last guy who takes the lead. Interestingly, the rules do allow for the rules authorities to take that win away from the pitcher if he was deemed to be ineffective in a brief appearance pitching. So the honour of being the winning pitcher would then go to whoever is deemed to be the most effective pitcher 
during the win. Being the losing pitcher, not what you want to be. The understanding of the losing pitcher is probably a little bit easier. It's the pitcher who gives up what is called the go-ahead run, and that go-ahead run is never relinquished. Go-ahead is one of those great sayings that when I heard people talk about in baseball, I didn't understand what it was. But it's that good good old-fashioned American way of actually just saying what they mean. It's the run which takes your team to go ahead in that game. Well done to the Americans for making things simple, perhaps avoiding some of the complications that we like throwing into words. The losing pitcher, that, that can lead to some perverse situations. You might have a pitcher who pitches seven great innings, the team are 1-0 down. When he leaves, the, the team loses 11-0, 10-0, whatever. You would look at that and think the other pitchers have obviously not been as effective as this starting pitcher. Unfortunately, because the losing position was maintained from his 1-0 down, he is credited with being the, the losing pitcher. That can also work in reverse as well. You could be leaving at 10-0 down. Your team could get it back to 10-10, but then lose 11-10. You would not be credited as the losing pitcher. One other interesting consequence which you can work out quite easily from that you might pitch 30 games and you could have a win-loss record of 12 to 9 so there are nine games missing from the 30 games but obviously that's because the win or loss is credited to another pitcher trying to think of some sort of football analogy that doesn't really work for me in this situation best i could think of would be a manager's record we, we do quite often look at manager's records and say when they manage whatever team their win-loss record was and they would then get a career cumulative record there. So the manager's not playing, the pitcher is playing. That's probably the best I can think of there. I hope that was of some use. As always, any questions or any stats you particularly want us to clarify, please ask. Thank you. Follow the Highland Bullpen on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And indeed, like us, rate us and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast medium. Thank you. And as promised, here's Dave Jr. talking about the San Diego Padres in what we intend to be a series of a light-hearted look at every one of the 30 teams in Major League Baseball. Over to you, Dave. Hi, everyone. It's DJ here. Something that has kind of crossed my radar recently is that although my knowledge is getting a bit better about baseball, it's really being focused on where I want it to be focused, which is primarily being the White Sox and anything which, which happens to or with the White Sox. So I thought in an attempt to broaden horizon a little bit, I would just try and relate it a bit more and understand a bit more about other teams, the other 29 teams out there and potentially beyond in the minor leagues. So the first one which came out of the, the great big tumbly wheel of randomness were the Padres, the Padres, however you want to pronounce it. So again, all of this will really be a bit of nonsense, some silly facts along with just some daft random thoughts which may not have occurred to you before or again it might be an introduction to yourselves. So the first thing you've got to notice about the Padres, apart from they are quite a new, a relatively new franchise, they have a pretty awesome mascot, the Swinging Friar. Again it's a really quick hit just now so go and look at him yourself, he is very distinguishable, it's just kick ass to be honest. Uh, the other noticeable thing is they must have some of the most awful, the most god awful uniforms in all of MLB. 
Quick fact, in San Diego, it's one of the very, I think it might be the only franchise, there's no other sporting teams from the big four, MLB, NHL, uh, the other two, whatever they are. There's no other major sporting teams, so I'd imagine that as a Padre fan, you would pretty much be waiting and rooting for them on every day of the week. There's there's nothing else to look forward to. I mean, sports is life. Of course, real legend there, Tony Gwynn, number 19. Numbers, we'll come back to later. They are the only MLB team in history to have no no-hitters. Again, they've not been around for too long, but 50 plus years to not have a, a no-hitter is quite an achievement. However, on the flip side of the coin, they are the only team in MLB history to hit a Grand Slam four games running, which took place, I think, this, this year actually and it involved some of their rookies so that's pretty cool to have a grand slam which is four runs bases loaded guy in each base home run they've done that four games running which is pretty cool they are perennial losers they've never won a world series uh, having a quick look at their logo it's kind of I don't know it follows some other baseball teams and having just the initials crammed together it's a little bit copycat it just reminds me a bit of the Dodgers the LA Dodgers a bit of course the Yankees the Mets their old logo to me a bit more 80s is kick ass it's a whole lot better and if you buddy that logo up with the mascot you've got a good formation there as long as you bend the uniforms they were formed going back to numbers pretty relevant just now with Bill and Ted coming out they were formed in 69 dude what I wanted to do was relate the Padres something that Alan's done in the past is relating baseball teams to other teams within the SBFL just trying to find them almost like a, a twin city across the water where I kind of came from was this there's a couple of reasons behind this San Diego Padres San, Saint, you can look at Saint Mirren or Saint Johnson. The relevance there is that Saint Mirren and Saint Johnson are probably the two biggest clubs never to have won the league or probably the most unsuccessful big teams in Scottish football. They've never won the league and if you think the Padres have never won a World Series, it sort of relates them as well as the, the whole Saint relevance. So that was my little take on the Padres. I'm willing to take anything online from you guys or Richard, Alan, even Dave, to see who my next challenge is over the next couple of weeks to pull together some facts and some little silly thoughts on another MLB team. Cheers!